As you know, we'll be finishing up Zephaniah this morning, and I will be finishing up reading it. So I'm going to be starting in verse 14, coming out of chapter 3. It says, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt you. He will exalt over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival, so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcasts, and I will change their shame into praise, and reown and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in, at the time when I gather you together, for I will make you re renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for letting us gather here in your house once more and be able to just be fed your word because it is so important to us. So may you open our hearts and ears to the message you have for us this morning. And we pray all this in your most holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Elijah. I hope that you've enjoyed our time in the book of Zephaniah. We're going to uh, look again at the verses that Elijah read today, Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. Uh, what an ending to the book. If you were here for the first two weeks, it was judgment, 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 and now it really goes from shame to praise. And so I love what Elizabeth Ackmeyer says about this book. It says, the book of Zephaniah ends in almost unimaginable joy. And why is it unimaginable? because God has spoken destruction and wrath on both Israel and, and uh, Judah and every nation who was not following him. I love o, o. Palmer Robinson says that one of the most awesome descriptions of the wrath of God found anywhere in Scripture, one of the most awesome descriptions of the wrath of God in judgment appears in the opening verses of Zephaniah, but one of the most moving descriptions of God's love for his people anywhere in Scripture are found in the closing verses of Zephaniah. My favorite, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, actually O. Palmer Robinson called it the John 3.16 of the Old Testament, is Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is among you, a warrior who saves. He rejoices over you with gladness. He'll quiet you in his love. He will delight in you with singing. That should be good news to us as his people today. So here's the big idea where we end today. God deserves praise. God deserves praise. We have to ask, are we praising him? Y'all know praise and uh, y'all hear praise and worship oftentimes put together. Praise is something you can give to your child. It's something you can give to a good teacher. It's something you can give to a, a football team when they do good. But worship alone is God's. We come together and we praise and worship. 
Praise is different than worship. Worship is something that you do all the time. It's what you live and you breathe. You worship in both uh, word and deed. Praise is something that you exclaim. It's something that you acknowledge. When's the last time that you praise God? Like Elijah talked about sometimes being uh, timid to, uh, to praise out loud in church because some people might hear that your joyful noise isn't so joyful to them, right? You know, um, when's the last time that you praised in your home with your kids? When's the last time that you praised? I love, actually, I love when I'm in the car, I, uh, I like to put on music, praise music, typically. Not saying that I only listen to Christian music always. There's just something about when you're on a road trip and listening to Jump by Van Halen, you know, like, it's cool to have, like, road trip music. But there's something when you turn it all off and you just praise. You praise. It's something that both ministers to God while he ministers to you and me. As we sing to him, he sings over us. So let's look again at these first two verses, chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. And we're going to look at how we praise him for his protection. Why do we praise God? He deserves all praise. We praise him for his protection. Let's read these two verses together. Actually, I'm going to back up a little bit. And let's look at verse 9 if you have your Bibles open. He says, after uh, the, 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 I mean, the author of this book, which is God speaking through Zephaniah, uh, after talking about all the judgment of, of, of those enemies of God, he says in verse 9, For then I will restore pure speech to the peoples, so that they all may call on the name of the Lord and serve him with a single purpose. It says from beyond the rivers of Cush, if you weren't here last week, Cush, it's kind of modern-day Ethiopia, Egypt, Sudan. So to, for, from their standpoint, to the ends of the earth, my supplicants, my dispersed people will bring an offering to me. And on that day, you will not be put to shame. Sin is our shame, even when we don't know it. Because of everything that you have done in rebelling against me, for then I will remove from among your jubilant, arrogant people, and you again, you will never again be haughty on my holy mountain. I will leave a meek and humble people among you, and they will take refuge in the name of the Lord. And the remnant of Israel will no longer do wrong or tell lies. A deceitful tongue will not be found in their mouths. They will pasture and lie down with, and with nothing to make them afraid. We looked at this last week. We see that sheep only lie down and eat when they feel safe. And so what we see is our good shepherd is here. Even in the midst of trial and wrath and judgment, he is here for his people. He's never given up on his people. And that's why our response is praise. Sing for joy. Joy is not happiness. Happiness can come and go. Joy is a state of being. We sing for joy. That means when you don't feel like singing, you sing. That means when you're hurting and in pain, you sing. Ms. Faye talked uh, with our small group this morning about not just not really wanting to like get here this morning, but she knew she was here on purpose. Y'all ever feel that pain? Like I'm as your pastor, like I don't feel like coming here every day, you know what I mean? But we are here on purpose, for a purpose. We sing for joy, <clears throat> daughter Zion. Now you'll see uh, daughters of Zion's, uh, daughters of Jerusalem used in scripture. It's really a personal personification of the people of God. 
uh, like you would refer to your son or your daughter. Sing for joy, daughter Zion. Shout loudly, Israel. I love in the Hebrews, sing. The word there for sing literally means piercing to the ears. Sing loudly. Think about Psalms 150, right? We praise him. We praise him with loud clashing cymbals. It doesn't mean that there's never time for reverence and there's never time for solitude, like Abby Ilye talked with our small group this morning, but then there are times where we need jubilant praise. If we can get as excited, going to LSU and Florida play tonight, and I know some people are going to be watching that game, if you can get as excited when your football team scores a touchdown, well, you can get even more excited for Jesus. He's deserving of all praise. We praise him for his protection. Be glad and celebrate with all your heart. God's concerned about the heart. You see, in the, in the Old Testament, the heart could be a place of, of thinking. It could be a place of reason. It could also be a place of emotion. And here in the Hebrew, it tends to be that uh, in the context here, it's about emotion. So he's saying, praise him with all your emotions, y'all. Our emotions come and go, right? Our emotions can be high and low. It's saying, give it all to God. He deserves all of it. Be glad and celebrate with all your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Daughter Jerusalem, the Lord has removed your punishment. Why do we have joy and why do we praise? God's removed our punishment. God made him who knew no sin to be sin that we might become the righteousness of God. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him, right, would have everlasting life. We're saved from the pits of hell. Hell is simply the absence of God. Take away all the pictures of hell that have been portrayed and in literature and all that, and I want you to know that hell is real and hell exists. I, I preached a whole sermon on hell at a previous church. I served at the pastor assigned me it because I'm sure he didn't want to preach on it. It's the most like, it was the hardest message I ever had to, I had to prepare. It's talking about Lazarus, you know, crying out. Uh, I think it's in the gospel of Matthew. And um, it's a hard message to preach. Hell is real because heaven is real and heaven is better. Heaven is the presence of God. Hell's the absence of God. And the absence of God is an unimaginable terror that none of us would ever want to experience. You want a glimpse of hell on our earth? Well, then turn on the television each and every day. Go to where people are hurting and they're oppressed. Walk around the rich neighborhoods and see how many wives they have had. See the big cars that are in the driveway and the emptiness that's in the home. The Lord has removed your punishment. He's literally removed your hell. He's turned back your enemy, right? He's crushed Satan under his feet. The king of Israel, y'all know all earthly kings, we have a presidential election next year. I don't know if you're excited about uh, our election cycle next year. I can tell you how excited I am, right? I'm being sarcastic. It's going to be a brutal election cycle next year. And that's when the church rises up because we know that we have a king 
who's enthroned. Yes, we have earthly kings that we participate, we vote for, and we believe God has put them there on purpose. Whether it's a Republican, a Democrat, or some other party emerges, like whatever it is, we know God has put them there on purpose. That doesn't mean that they're godly. Look at the Old Testament. God used Pharaoh. He hardened Pharaoh's heart. He used Pharaoh, Pharaoh even in his evil to do good for his people. But earthly kings, our presidents, our, our mayors, our rulers, they're only a representation of the a, a earthly representation, a flawed representation of the one true king. And that's why we worship because the the king of Israel, the Lord, is among you. You no longer need to fear harm. We praise God. We praise him for his protection. We praise him for his protection. The word there for, for, for calling them to, to sing and to shout aloud is the same word used by town heralds in the Old Testament when they came back from the battlefield to proclaim that, their, that victory was upon us. We know that we are victorious in Jesus Christ. We know that when it comes to the cross, it is finished and it's done. We know John 19 verse 30 tells us, and when he had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Furthermore, we go to the book of Revelation and we see in Revelation chapter 2, 21, verses 6 through 8, and he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty. I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God and he will be my son. But we can't end there. It says, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, you're like, wait, I'm not a sorcerer. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a medium. Well, then he gets you right here because it says, and all liars, all of us lie. And uh, it says their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The good news is the totality of the good news. We are rescued from hell. We are rescued from, or from wrath. We praise God for his eternal protection. He sealed us by the power of his Holy Spirit, and God, like a good father, never lets his children go. I don't know if you had a good father or a good mother, but a good father or a good mother never gives up on their child, even when they go astray. They never stop loving them. That's how God, it's just a small picture of how God loves us. And so we praise him for his protection. Second is this, we praise him for his presence. Did you know that God is here today among us? The Holy Spirit today is not only inhabiting us, but as the, I love the King James translates that the Holy Spirit in, inhabits the praises of God's people. When we sing out, God is here. God is here. He is ministering to us, surrounded by his holy angels. We are in the presence of God. That should give you not just tinglys, that should get you excited. That should get you excited as you move out on mission. Let's read verse 16 
and verse 17 again. I'm going to back up into verse 15. So the king of Israel, the Lord, is among you. We're reminded that he's here. He's present. You no longer need to fear harm. And on that day, talking about the day of the Lord, which the book began with and the book ends with, the day when God shows up for his glory and his people, always in the Old Testament, not a specific day, but any time that the Lord shows up, on that day, it will be said to Jerusalem, do not fear. Zion, don't let your hands grow weak. The Lord is among you a warrior who saves. He rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you in his love. He will delight in you with singing. Man, that's, I know I just shared it a moment ago. That's one of the best verses in the entire scripture. Joel chapter three, verses 16 through 17 says, the Lord will roar from Zion and make his voice heard from Jerusalem. Heaven and earth will shake, but the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the Israelites. Then you will turn and know that I am the Lord your God, who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain. Jerusalem will be holy, and foreigners will never overrun it. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. These promises are now ours in Jesus Christ. Furthermore, Jesus told his followers, it's to my advantage that, you, that I go away. Because when I go away, the helper will come. We just got out of the book of Acts. What happens in the book of Acts, the helper comes, the comforter showers the people of God. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus said in his great commission, he ends the gospel of Matthew saying, I am with you always even to the end of the age. And the highs and lows and everything in between, his presence is our protection. We praise God for his presence. He protects us by his presence. We, you go back to Ephesians chapter one, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, which is a promise of our inheritance until we receive it. The Lord is among you. The word there for Lord in your Translation, it might be capitalized. Y'all notice that you have a physical Bible in your hand. Is it capitalized? Like whenever you see a capitalized Lord in the Old Testament, that's the divine personal name for God, which is Yahweh. It means that God is here. No other earthly lords. This is God. This is the one true God. He's among you. This is repeated twice in this verse and in, in this passage, I mean, and repetition anywhere in Scripture is on purpose because it's making a point. God is here. He's among us. Restoration is here. His name is Jesus. We have a reason to praise. We have a reason to live. We have a purpose to guide us. Nothing now alienates us from the Holy One. Instead, he's a warrior who saves. The word for warrior in the Hebrew is gebor. It's also where we get in, was that Isaiah, what's that verse? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, where we call the, the child that's born, he's called mighty God. The word there is gebor. He's a warrior. This is a warrior who saves, and this warrior doesn't issue any more battle cries. Get that? This warrior is not issuing any more battle cries. 
because he's already won the war. He's already won the battle. Revelation chapter 19, beginning in verse 11, says, Then I saw heaven, and, and behold, a white horse. And the one who's sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. Precious moments never gave me that picture of God. Right? And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. Notice he didn't get blood from the battle. He's come in already dipped in blood because he has won the battle on the cross. And his name is called the word of God and the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, representing holiness, followed him on white horses. And from his mouth came a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. This is our God. Sword coming out of his mouth defeating the enemy by his word. Strike down the nations and he'll rule them with a rod of iron. Yes, God is a God of peace. God is a God of justice, but his justice demands wrath against sin. It says he will tread on them with the fury of the winepress of the wrath of God Almighty and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written he has a tattoo that says king of kings and lord of lords we praise him for his presence we praise him for his presence when we sing when we delight in him he delights in us i love john piper says that god is most glorified in you when you're most satisfied in him let me say that again God is most glorified in you when you're most satisfied in him. Why does he sing praise over us? It's not because we have anything that's worthy of praise. Our righteousness is like filthy rags. He sings praise over us as we sing praise to him because he delights in his people who are centered and focused on him. God is like a good father. Y'all, I don't, I don't sing, but you best bet when Colden was a little baby and Ashton and Brayden as rocking them to sleep, you sing, right? You hold your child. There's nothing like that, right, Nick? You know, Nick's the nearest. Some of us are very far away from that moment, but Nick's the nearest. Like, there's nothing like holding your kid and humming and singing to them. That's what a good father does. It's what a good mother does. And that's what our good father does with us. He shows great affection for those who are his. Be reminded of this. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The enemy wants to, like, bring us down all the time, right? Men, when you sin in solitude, you often think you are just horrific before God. Women, when you sin, when you're driving, we all do that, but I'm using that example for y'all, right? When you cuss out that person, you cuss, God is there with you. You don't leave him in that moment. He cares for you even in that struggle. We praise him for his presence. Singing is always... <laughs> The reason we sing is because God sings over us. It's something we were created to do. Y'all know when Eve was created for Adam, 
What did Adam do? What was Adam's first response? He sunk. And he says, at last, right? At last, my love. No, at last, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She would be called woman because she was taken of a man. What did Mary do when she delighted in the what was the king of kings in her womb? She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. We sing for pleasure. This is why book of Colossians and Ephesians, repeat, Paul repeats it twice, that we address one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs when we gather. Y'all get that when we sing? We're not just singing to God. We're singing to one another. We get to delight collectively in God's presence. It's who he's created us to be. So praise him for his protection. We praise him for his presence, and then we land here today. This is good news. We praise him for his promise. We praise him for his protection, his presence, and his promise. That's, that's good three Ps, right? You know, presence, wait, wait, protection, presence, and promise. Let's read verses 18 through 20 as we close out the book of Zephaniah together. I will gather those who have been driven from the appointed festivals, they will be a tribute from you and a reproach from her. When Israel was in exile and when they were about to be in exile, they weren't allowed to take part in the festivals of God's people. But God says, I will return you to the celebration. Yes, at that time, in the day of the Lord, I will deal with all who oppress you. I will save the lame and gather the outcasts. I will make those who were disgraced throughout the earth receive praise and fame. We literally go from shame to praise. It's literally a change in status. God changes our status from worthless to worthful. It's who he is. And at that time, I will bring you back from exile. Yes, at that time, I will gather you. I will give you fame and praise among all the peoples of the earth. I will restore your fortunes before your eyes. Why? The Lord has spoken. The reason that's repeated throughout scriptures, this is not words from a man named Zephaniah. This is the words of the Lord being given to us through the prophet Zephaniah. And just as Zephaniah's own name meant God will hide and protect, God hides and protects us in his presence. This is a promise that is worthy of our praise. We praise him for this promise. Do you know these last three verses? go from declaring what God is going to do. In these last three verses, God begins to speak himself. It's because in, in life, when it comes to pain, sorrow, hurt, purposelessness, God has the final word. He has the final word. And he says, I'm among you. I'm among you. I'm going to change your status. I'm going to rejoice in you. I am going to bring you back to me. I will save the lame. I will gather the outcasts. I will bring you back. I will restore your fortunes. The day of the Lord is complete. And what a reversal it is. What a shocking ending to the rest of this book. This is why all of God's word is important. If you haven't read the Minor Prophets, Jonah's probably the most popular one, but go from Jonah and read on, right? 
Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, like right there. These are good books. They're worthy. They're, they're worth our study. You get to Zechariah, it looks a little bit like Revelation. It's hard to understand. Get a good study Bible. If you don't have one, we would love to get you one. Like, read these words because it's so important. It might sound depressing, but life isn't always high, right? Life is, is filled with a lot of Zephaniah's 1 and 2, right? Zephaniah 1 and 2 feels like a lot of life, like the majority of what we live. But then we're reminded about Zephaniah 3. You read the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk 1 and 2 are pretty depressing. Then you get to Habakkuk 3, and it's good news. Good news is good even when you're in a bad place. That's what makes it good news. Otherwise, it would just be news, right? It's good news because we're surrounded by bad things. And just as the book began with a reversal of judgment on creation, y'all remember that mankind was judged before, even the birds of the air and everything. It was a reversal of the created order and God's judgment in chapter one. Here at the very end of the book, we see a reversal of what, where we expect judgment to come. God literally changes it all up. He gives us something unexpected. It's his presence. It's his promise. It's his protection. G.K. Beale, and I'll end this way. G.K. Beale writes in his book, We Become What We Worship. He writes, what people revere, they will resemble. Let me say again, what people revere, they will resemble either for ruin or restoration. Let me say that one more time. What people revere, they resemble either for ruin or restoration. If God is a God who brings us from shame to praise, Will we resemble a shameless, sinless culture that is actually quite shameful? Or we will, will we resemble a God who himself knows how to praise? That's who we were created to be. I pray today if you're in a dark spot, I pray that you would know that worship is a form of warfare. Worship is a battle cry. Worship doesn't just declare truth back to God. Worship declares truth back to us. Y'all know I love Abby Oye sings a lot in his sermons. I don't. If I sing, it's a secular song, right? That's what I just did uh, at last, right? Don't listen. To, don't remember that song, you know, but a lot of times people sing in sermons, especially in African-American churches and African churches, because you remember truth through singing. I'm glad that I, I, I live with the one who's leading us in worship right now, or at least picking the songs, because we get to talk about the sermons together. Even, even on weeks when Anna or Tim or somebody else is doing the closing song, we get to talk about where do we land. It's because when we sing, we sing the truth of where, what we're looking at in God's word. We're going to sing a song here in closing today, and it's going to be new. It's going to be joyful, not quite as somber 
as we do in our reflection time. It's called Praise You Anywhere. It's because God has called us to do exactly that. Praise Him in the darkness. Praise Him on top of the mountain. He's worthy of praise anywhere and everywhere we go. And I ask you today, will you praise Him? Will you praise Him? Will you declare the truth of who Jesus is? Not just to yourself, but to the world around you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this awesome good news. God, I thank you so much that you sing over me. God, that's hard to even fathom that, the, that you, the God of the universe, the holy of holies, would take me a sinful, wretched, just unperfect man. You'd take me in your arms and you would sing to me like a father sings to a son. God, I pray in light of that, I would never shrink back from crying out praise to you. Because you deserve it. You're worthy of it anywhere and anytime. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand? And I pray today in the joy of the Lord, let's sing.